Hello, everyone, and welcome to the So There I Am podcast. Today, we're going to talk about my very first experience hunting turkeys. All the places I'd traveled and the places I'd grown up, I'd heard of turkey hunting. From a, the time I was a little kid, I had a subscription to Field and Stream magazine. And it used to really drive me nuts quite often because there'd be all these articles about whitetail hunting, turkey hunting, and bass fishing. That as a young man growing up in the western United States really didn't apply to me. There were a few places I could fish for bass. There were a few places I could drive to to find some whitetail deer. But it really didn't become a necessity for me until I moved to the Midwest. Well, when I first moved to the Midwest, I was new to Minnesota and Wisconsin. I lived pretty much right on the border. And I was working for a big box retail place. And one of my coworkers started to ask me questions about hunting mule deer, hunting elk, and all the different types of fishing and hunting we would do in the West. Well, the conversation finally turned to, well, how many whitetails have you hunted? How often have you gone out chasing turkeys? And when I told him I'd never done it, he couldn't even understand. Had no idea how someone like me, who looks for every opportunity to get on the water in the woods, had never hunted those two animals. It's not that I didn't have a desire, but I didn't really have the knowledge. It was one thing growing up where I had uncles and my father and family and friends who I could hunt mule deer with or go hunt elk with, but it was a totally different thing if it was going to be a traveling trip. I would have to head out and just kind of throw caution to the wind and try and figure it out. In today's world, I would do it. Because you can look stuff up on YouTube. It's kind of what I do now. Every time I have a new adventure that I want to go on, I just dig in and figure it out. And the more time you spend in the woods, the more time you have to create good luck. Well, this coworker of mine started teaching me about all the different calls. Box calls, slate calls, diaphragm calls. Now, being somebody that hunted elk, diaphragm calls were super easy for me to transition to. A lot of people like them, and a lot of people can't use them. A diaphragm call sits inside your mouth, and it can tickle if you do it in certain ways. It can gag you if you have a gag reflex, and that is problematic. Now, any kind of call, I don't care whether it's turkey calls, elk calls, duck and goose calls, they require as much practice to become proficient as a musical instrument. I truly believe that. The more you practice, the better you get. Now, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So if you're practicing with people who can teach you the right ways to do it, you're going to get much, much better if you are practicing without good instruction. You can actually become an extremely valuable conservation tool because you won't kill anything or the ones you kill probably needed to be weeded out anyway. So that's okay. So I started working on the calling. I was calling on my drive to and from work. At the time, I had about a 40-minute commute. Most of my life, I've had half an hour to an hour-long commutes. 
those are great for me. I listen to books. I listen to podcasts. I practice calling. I probably look like an absolute fool to those who are passing me, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me because I don't sound like a fool when I get in the woods. Not always, but there's times. The decoy side of things has always been something I enjoy. I have carved duck decoys ever since I found out that that was something you could do. I love decoys. I love carving them. I love painting them. They're just pretty neat. When I was in Minnesota and Wisconsin, though, I didn't have a ton of money at this point in my life. I ended up going to Gander Mountain, and I picked up some pretty inexpensive turkey decoys. These were hollow, used to stake, didn't have a lot of realism to them. I won't say the name of the company, but they were inexpensive. Uh, inexpensive is the wrong word. They were cheap. They were utterly cheap. Then I made sure to get some good ammunition, and I made sure to follow all of these co-workers' instructions on what to do, how to call, how to set up decoys. Then I started looking online. I started figuring out what other people like to do for turkeys. And one of my most important things in all my life, regardless of where I'm hunting or fishing, is scouting. Scouting, I feel, is one of the most overlooked and crucial steps in anything in the outdoors. If you're in a place where the animals want to be, it doesn't require a lot of skill to call or decoy because they're going to come in there. But if you're in a location where they don't want to be, you need to be pretty good to get them to get outside of their comfort zone and come into yours. So there was a spot that I would go on the St. Croix River and I would trail run. More often than not, in those early morning trail runs, I would hear turkeys gobbling or I'd come around the corner and just get the bejeebie scared out of me as a turkey would flush. She didn't see me, I didn't see her, and we had a little bit of a confrontation. More her flying away and me falling down. I knew that there were turkeys in that spot because I'd seen them there. But I wasn't sure how to set up. I wasn't sure where to put my decoys. I wasn't 100% sure where they were roosting and where they were going to go. Almost every animal has a spot where it likes to feed, it likes to get water, and it likes to sleep. If you can find those areas and set up either in between them on passage routes for an ambush spot, it makes your life much, much easier. Well, in this location, there was a big open meadow on top of a bluff. And all the reading I'd been doing said that they liked to go into meadows to feed. They didn't like to be completely covered up when the toms were trying to court the females and walking around in full strut. So I decided to set up in this spot on the opening day. Now, I had a Wisconsin turkey tag. I really like how Wisconsin does their turkey licenses. It's a one-week season. It starts, now I might get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it starts on a Wednesday, ends on a Tuesday. It might start on a Thursday and on a Wednesday, but it's a one-week season. Now they have different weeks, and you can put in and draw your tag. You put in for the week that you want the most, and you kind of run this interesting, this guessing game, because when you have to put in for your tag, 
the later in the season you go, the more the hens are going to be on nests and the toms are going to be more receptive to coming into calls. Also, there's a lot less toms because all your buddies that had earlier tags hopefully have tagged out. So there's less toms. So that can be a deciding factor. I tended to pick the one week that I wanted the most, and then I hoped that there would be leftover tags that I could purchase. There were a couple years where I was able to get three or four tags when I was living in Wisconsin. So on this day, I get there in the dark, set up my decoys. I've got them out at about 15 yards, which I'm not sure what you set your decoys up at, but 15 yards on this first experience was a mistake. I didn't know it at the time. Well, I get my decoy set up. I have a, a turkey chair. It's really a predator hunting kit is what I used it for. But I, I had picked it up from Cabela's out of the bargain cave back when that thing existed. And it had a fold-out seat that I could sit on. So it gave me a little bit of protection. had lots of pockets. Well, I always used it for predator hunting in the West. I didn't realize that it was designed specifically for turkeys because I didn't have turkeys to hunt. So it worked out great, pulled all my predator gear out, put all my turkey hunting stuff in there, and off I went, sitting under this tree with my decoy set out in the dark to wait for the sun to come up. I could hear lots of gobbling in the roost. There were birds around, and I knew that they were going to be, well, I didn't know they were going to be coming that way, but I hoped, based on my scouting, that those were areas that I'd seen them in. A little after it got light enough to see, a hen walked in about a hundred yards to my left and she was just slowly working her way through the grass, picking up insects, small vegetation, maybe she was picking gravel, but she's just working nice and slow moving along. Gave her a couple of hen clucks on my slate because that's one of the things that I determined I thought made a really good sound. There are some fallbacks to slates, but I really do like them. It's kind of fun having a, a puck and a stick and talking back and forth to turkeys she immediately looked up looked my direction and did not care in the slightest and went back to doing exactly what she was doing but this is my first turkey hunt i had already had an interaction i was pretty excited about it maybe another 20 minutes goes by and i hear a lot more birds getting down out of the roost you can hear those wings as they're flapping down to the ground once they hit the ground though i didn't hear a peep I didn't hear a gobble. I didn't hear anything. They're just these big, silent birds moving around that you don't know where they are. So it was a few minutes after I heard all those birds fly down out of the roost. Out steps another hen. Does the exact same thing. Looks over, sees the decoys, continues on her way over the ridge down towards the river bottoms. Not too far behind her is a tom. At this point, part of the morning the sun was still pretty low but it was starting to shine through the trees and what happened next if I would have been able to get it on video it was definitely hunting show television worthy this giant beam of sunlight is shining across this meadow and this young Tom walks into the middle of it I hen cluck on my slate call and he immediately gobbles, goes into full strut, and begins to walk towards me. This Tom, as he got closer and closer, was 
so beautiful. Didn't have a giant beard. In fact, it was, I could tell he had a beard. He wasn't a Jake. And a Jake is a, for those that don't know, a Jake is a young bird, a bird of the year. So it would have been born the previous year, but he hadn't made it an entire full year yet. So he has a little tiny beard. The smallest beard I've ever seen on a Jake was less than an inch. One of these days I'll have to post a picture of that or maybe I can get my buddy Seth on and we can talk about that experience because man, oh man, it got a little dicey there for a minute. So there's Tom strutting into the sunshine, walking straight towards me. As he gets closer and closer, there's no way for me to move my gun without him seeing me. I'm pointing straight into my decoys, which are 15 yards away. He's strutting into the decoys, so he's soon to be 15 yards away. With a shotgun at 15 yards, it's a really, really small pattern. You don't have a lot of margin of error. And I start to realize I had made a mistake. I'd put my decoys too close. He struts into the middle of those birds. And one of the things that perhaps wasn't a mistake, I got to see a tom turkey in full strut, tips of his wings dragging on the ground, and you could hear the humming. So as he would puff up his feathers, you could hear this humming, this It was absolutely incredible. Well, it doesn't take very long until he realizes that these half-hollow fake hen turkeys are not real. He gets concerned and starts to trot away. I give him one more hand cluck. He sticks his head up and looks back to see what's going on. Pull the trigger, bang, flop, birds down. And I think, I don't know what everybody's talking about. This is not as hard as people made it out to be. Well, that's partially true. That hunt, I had scouted well. It was a young turkey. I was in a good position with the decoys, with the sunshine. I was close to the roosting area, and I was in between where they wanted to go to feed. I had made some really good decisions by complete and total chance. There was no other way about it. I get back to work, because I actually had to work that day. I had to be into work by 11. So I roll into work, and my buddy says, were you able to go out this morning? I'm like, yeah, I'm tagged out. I'm all done. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a lot easier than you. I thought it was going to be the way you made it sound. He said, oh, Travis, just wait. The turkeys will teach you lessons. And just when you think that you have them figured out, they'll change the game. They'll change the rules. And they'll make you feel so completely inept and stupid. That is 100% the truth. I agree that just when you think you have turkeys figured out, they do something else. The best thing you can do is make good decisions, as best of a decision as you can. Do a lot of scouting, know where you're going, and pray a lot. Seems to work for me. So then it brought up the next part of the turkey hunt for me. I needed to butcher the bird and then figure out what ways were going to be my favorite for cooking it. I've heard lots of different people talk about how wild turkey is gamey or tough or whatever. Some keys for wild turkey. You can't cook it like you would a store-bought turkey. They're just not designed the same. They're not the same animal, really. 
the turkey breast of a wild turkey is a little bit stronger as far as the bite is concerned, and it does have a little bit different flavor. But what I noticed with wild turkeys is they really lend themselves well to dishes where you're either going to slice it up, so a stir fry, or if you're going to pound the meat thin. If you're using it for a schnitzel, it works really well. You can use it for chicken fried steak, where it's actually just a pounded piece of turkey breast. The thighs go really, really well in a crock pot or an Instapot or any kind of pressure cooker, and that meat just falls off the bone and is absolutely delicious. So there's lots of different ways that you can prepare wild turkey. You just have to know that you're not going to be able to do it like you do for Thanksgiving with a regular turkey. There's just differences. Now, I'm sure that you probably could just pluck the bird and roast it whole, but you're going to need to make sure that you make some alterations to your standard recipes, whether you stuff it even more full or if you use some other types of cooking methods. If you have any questions, throw me an email. I do appreciate everybody listening. Turkey hunting has become one of my absolute most favorite pursuits in the outdoors, mainly because... They're a fun bird that'll come to you. They're delicious. They're beautiful. I use the feathers on the wings for arrows for my traditional bow. So that's kind of fun. They're gorgeous feathers. So I, I like doing that. I use feathers for fly tying. There's also morel mushrooms out, usually about the same time that you're looking for turkeys. So you can combine turkey hunting with mushroom hunting. So you can go forage for mushrooms. There are fiddlehead ferns a lot of the times during the turkey seasons. So you can really make a fun wild turkey dish. Oh, and there's usually wild asparagus, depending on where you are. So morels, asparagus, and wild turkeys, that makes an amazing meal just by itself. So that's the story of my first turkey. I've got lots of other stories to tell. 